brought to you by CGTN Europe. I'm Stephen Cole. Welcome to the Agenda podcast. 2020 marks the 45th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between China and the EU. This year has seen strained relations between China and the US, a global pandemic and the looming spectre of Brexit. So there was plenty to talk about at the EU-China virtual summit on the 14th of September. On the back of this, we spoke to Lynn Goethals, Programme Director at the European Institute for Asian Studies in Brussels, as well as Wang Yi Wei, Director at the Centre for European Studies at Renmin University. Lynn uh, Goodholz, first of all, let's start with the big question. Um, how do you see relations between China and the EU after this um, rather unique online summit? I think one of the main issues that were discussed during the summit are, of course, like the digital aspect and the green, um, the green deal for the EU then in that case, or green cooperation. So to that extent, I think we ha um, have some very specific topics um, that have been well put forward by the EU um, and and the European Commission in particular um, in EU-China relations that should be well taken further next to, of course, the trade agenda and the comprehensive agreement on investments. Wang Yiwei, what's your take from the summit? Well, China-EU relations uh, now is at a crossroad. Because the world is in a crossroad, uh, it's whether go uh, globalized, uh, multilateral way, or uh, decouple. And China and the European Union as a two uh, certain power, I think, uh, to make sure the world will be uh, certain, not to deal with the uncertainty, uh, particularly for uh, the Trump's policy, uh, even talking the new Cold War uh, scenario. And secondly, and the China-European relations also uh, at the crossroad. And the, when the U.S. De uh, declared the engagement policy towards China failed, whether the European Union also followed that kind of trap? So far, the, uh, Germany, uh, pretty under the leadership of uh, Chancellor Merkel, still think about the engagement policy uh, works by uh, more press to show the tough stance towards China on the human rights, on the market assessment, on the fair competition, on the uh, uh, cl even climate change. I think the summit actually showed, compared to like the previous one in June, um, some slight progress and a willingness to engage and to actually take on some specific um, topics forward in the relations. Yet, of course, the world is a very different place compared to like, uh, well, a year ago, let's say, or even earlier than that. Um, so the EU and China will have to take, tackle specific issues um, that are on the table and have been there for quite a while. So progress is needed um, and will, will be required. And uh, for the EU and China to actually take it up to like the next level, I think some specific dialogues and well, some harsh language might actually um, well, be, coming, be crossing the table. Is the gap between China and the US seems to widen. Is there a real chance now for the EU uh, to become a real player on the global stage uh, with China? Of course, uh, European Union uh, is, uh, uh, I think, the most important partner for China to cooperate in the multilateral reason. Uh, seems the United States, uh, we, uh, I think, religion thinking, Americans always want to dominate uh, the, like the cyber 
like the globalization, if Americans cannot take a leadership dominant, and then they will have another, uh, have an alternative uh, approach to make the globalization uh, thing in danger. So China and the EU, uh, as a, I think it's a DNA as a, a, a multilateral uh, reason, and they should work together. How do you measure a year? As a song sings in daylight, in sunsets, in cups of coffee. Here on A Thousand Wise, we measure a year in seasons. A program where we proudly present to you our delicate selection of how Chinese culture is incorporated into people's lives with the change of seasons. Discover the stories, delicacies, nature, ceremony, festivals, and a whole lot more while hearing how they are in sync with that particular season. And beyond that, Take with you a bit of wisdom and a philosophy that resounds season in and season out. Subscribe to A Thousand Wise for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We've looked at the big picture in terms of China-EU relations, but what does all that mean in practice for European companies looking to trade with China and Chinese companies looking to expand into the European market? Joining me now from Brussels is the chairman of the Belgian-China Chamber of Commerce, Bernard De Witt. Uh, Mr. De Witt, as head of the Belgian-Chinese Chamber of Commerce, what uh, is your take from this summit? I think the first, for me, the first important thing is that there was a summit. Uh, if you see that uh, this year, by my knowledge, there was no such a summit with, between China and Japan, between uh, U.S. and uh, China. Um, I see that there is, uh, for the second time, the leaders this year uh, meet. Of course, it was a summit uh, limited, but I think it's not for a question of politics, but more just purely of the pandemic. Um, but the fact that the summit took place, I think, is important because it is of utmost importance that uh, top leaders can have dialogue on so many important issues, among which uh, issues concerning business between EU and China. What are the business opportunities for uh, Europe in China? And what specific trading areas should we be looking at? Trade opportunities, there are, and there are plenty. Uh, China is a huge market. China has plenty of possibilities for companies from Europe, being very big companies, but also uh, medium-sized companies. China is not an easy market. There are many competitors, Chinese competitors, uh, other uh, foreign competitors, but um, the opportunities are there. And the best example is that even though we sometimes complain about market access and so on, we are still there. We are still active on the Chinese market. So that is uh, the first point uh, we have to mention. Second thing is that there are huge opportunities. The green um, industry, for instance, uh, China is making a big effort uh, in uh, um, getting, um, having a green uh, energy uh, policy. Um, there are opportunities linked uh, to that. And with uh, the knowledge uh, of European companies in that field, they have uh, opportunities to distribute uh, their product, to distribute uh, their technology um, in uh, China. So there are opportunities. We are 
um, pushing uh, our members still to go to China, but you need to know the market. You need to make the effort to better understand it. And I think that is maybe also something we sometimes between EU and China lack is a kind of respect uh, for each other, the, to listen to the other, to try to understand uh, how the other is thinking, how the other is reacting in order to be uh, better uh, in, uh, on the market. How important do you think good relations are, trading relations between Europe and China? What, the reason I ask is if there were very strong trading relations, then how much could that contribute to a global economic recovery post the pandemic? Well, I think at this time, we are all fighting uh, here in Europe uh, with uh, economic uh, uh, problems, so being the consequences of this terrible uh, pandemic. We, are, uh, we need uh, to um, have, uh, I think personally, the solution will not be by closing borders. The solution will not be by just uh, remaining with our own markets, because if we close our borders to the others, the others will do the same to us. So that will not be uh, the solution. What we saw these last uh, 15, 20 years was that by opening more our borders to foreign uh, companies, that has profited to our economies uh, globally, that has profited to the fact that uh, we could fight more efficiently against unemployment. And so I think personally that by being more open, we'll give more opportunities, economically speaking, and to uh, allow our economies to recover quickly. There are plenty of fields. Digitalization, for instance, where more and more companies are active in, uh, as well in China as in Europe. Let's put bridges. Uh, we could profit from each other knowledge. The best example is also the famous vaccine against um, the COVID. Uh, I think if we were uh, on both sides, and it's even on the world side, uh, to uh, ready to exchange uh, knowledge, to exchange the results of the research, we can get it much quicker. Finally, has China begun to lose interest in the EU? I'm looking at the figures that say that uh, investment in the EU from China fell last year to a five-year low. Why is that? I don't think uh, China is losing interest in the EU, on the contrary, especially at a time with uh, US-China tensions. Um, but uh, it is also the fact that EU has adopted uh, stronger rules, uh, for instance, these screening procedures for foreign investments, that is uh, hitting uh, Chinese companies. And we saw in the reaction of the uh, China Chamber of Commerce to the EU that it is a preoccupation for Chinese companies. And we need to be consequent. If we say we want to have foreign investments to help our economies to recover quickly, we need also then to give the instruments uh, allowing these uh, foreign companies to come uh, and uh, set up easier uh, in our countries. Bernard DeWitt, many thanks to you for joining us on the agenda. Thank you very much, sir.
With more than a billion euros a day in bilateral trade, the EU is China's top trading partner, while China is second only to the United States as a market for EU goods and services. The two sides have been negotiating an agreement on the conditions under which companies would be able to invest in the other's economy, with the EU wanting China to open its market and end what it says are discriminatory laws. As one of our guests said, European companies are still active in China's marketplace and would like even greater involvement. The proposed investment accord, when it's signed, should be a stepping stone to a new free trade agreement. But it's not only trade. China and the EU want now to work towards agreement on climate change, although there are some disputes on how much carbon emissions they should reduce. Both sides do agree, though, it's important to act within the Paris Agreement, especially in the absence of the US. But the EU does have concerns, especially about investment in European technology by state-subsidised Chinese firms, and said it would be particularly vigilant on critical areas such as microelectronics and artificial intelligence. So it seems now is the time China and the EU might be ready to stand together to protect multilateralism and promote cooperation in a greener and more digitally focused economy. And that brings us to the end of another edition of The Agenda. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. You can also find us on CGTN Europe, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.